I'm Haley Oaks, and this is Milk Trails. A journey in the out-of-hospital birth experience. For Megan's first child, she planned to give birth in a birth center with her husband, doula, and team of midwives. However, as is the nature of parenthood, the best laid plans can often go awry. In early labor, Megan transferred to the hospital where she had an unmedicated vaginal delivery. Her early postpartum phase was difficult, riddled with anxiety, sleep deprivation, and feelings of grief as she mourned the loss of her pre-baby self. Much of this, she felt, had to do with a lack of preparation and support for this time with a newborn. A little over a year later, and expecting her second child, Megan was determined to prepare as best she possibly could for the birthing experience she had always wanted. All right. Hi, Megan. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, So not only is it an honor that I got to be your midwife, uh, now I get to have you, we could talk more about the birth, which is so nice. I'm kind of excited to talk about it. I feel like it happens and then you get busy with life and it's kind of special to go back and to chat about it. Mm-hmm. So just to give listeners a little bit of background, you planned a birth center birth with your daughter, Ella, who is now two years old. Mm-hmm. You um, ended up having an unmedicated vaginal delivery in the hospital. And then with your second, Leo, you planned a home birth um, where you had him at home f- four months ago, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Um, so if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about your choices um, around planning a birth center birth for your first and then a home birth for your second. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to speak well because I have, I have major mom brain. So hopefully the listeners will be patient with my answers. Um, okay. So my daughter's two years old. We, so basically what interested me in a birth center was we watched the business of being born, which was really eye opening. I don't even know why I watched that. I don't know who recommended it. Like I don't, we were trying for a baby and it took us about two years to get pregnant with Ella. And so maybe I was just consuming information during that time. But basically once we watched that, I was totally sold on, um, going an unmedicated route, but being a first time mom, I always just thought I'd be in the hospital. And at that time, a home birth didn't seem like a right fit for me at all. And, um, when we went to Del Mar and scheduled a tour there for the birth center, like it, it was just such a perfect fit because it felt like a hospital. It was so clean and organized and modern and it it felt so safe. Um, so it felt like the hospital experience, but it was so close to our house and, um, and I was able to have like an unmedicated birth there, um, or that was the goal. And then, um, which you had mentioned, I did transfer to the hospital and I was able to have an unmedicated birth in the hospital, um, which was great. And then with Leo, so the biggest reason I think for our home birth with him is my daughter. So we don't have any family that lives nearby us and it's kind of impossible to have friends be on call for you, especially when all your friends are also pregnant and have little kids. And so for me, even if we had family nearby, like I just, I was more concerned about her well-being than my own for, for Leo's birth. And so the idea of even just going to appointments, like driving there and having her and driving back and nap times and um, I don't know, just figuring all of that out. It just seemed really overwhelming to me. And I also work. And so there's just, it was just a lot. Um, and, but so I, I still, so when I got pregnant with Leo, I thought, okay, we're probably gonna go back to Del Mar, but then it was, it's not close, but it's just far enough that I was like, I just really don't want to be doing all that driving. I looked at a few other birth centers. There was one that was closer. That was like really small near us. But when I went to call the lady, she said, basically that, in January, she's not taking any, she she always takes off January or something like that. So I was like, okay, well then I can't birth there. And I, I kept telling my husband, I was like, cause we, we never thought home birth would be for us, but I kept telling him that I was like, I can't stop thinking about it. And if I can't stop thinking about it, then I feel like I'm like being nudged in that direction. And that's why I reached out to you. And I was like, I just have questions. And for me, I always have anxiety about stuff when I just don't understand something. And you were so good at explaining everything to us. And like, after we had that call with you, I was like, okay, this, this is like the right thing for us. And of course, you never know how things are going to go. But, um, but it was like the right decision for us. So I feel like with Ella, it was just we just educated ourselves on 
the pros and cons of, um, you know, your different choices. And it just felt best for us to try for an unmedicated birth. And then with Leo is really just my daughter, but I'm such a home buddy and I love being home. Um, and so it just, I just felt right for us. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, it does kind of speak to the, it's almost a way of life for some people. Like you, you are such a home body and, and you feel more comfortable at home and um, <clears throat> that it, it naturally fits into your um, already daily activities. What had you known about home birth prior to our conversation? What had you seen or heard or, or watched about what a home birth entails? Whenever I've seen a home birth, it always just seems so nice. Like you're just home. And I mean, I've read Ina Mae Gatskins. That's, that's her name, right? They say Gatskin, yeah. mm-hmm. um, the, I forget the name of the book, something childbirth. Uh, yeah. The, the, the guide books. to childbirth, Ina Mae Gatskins guide. Yeah. I read that before I gave birth with Ella and I know those were, um, I don't know if those would be considered home births, but I read all of those stories and um, I also have a podcast and a lot of the women on my podcast have had home births. And I, so I think like I had been thinking about it, but basically everyone I started talking, I felt like I knew no one who had a home birth. And suddenly right around the time when I was thinking about it, everyone I was talking to just like, I felt like all these people were like put in my life to share their stories of a home birth that made me feel like I want that. And one of the gals who she has a hypnobirthing company and she was on my podcast and she was talking about, I think it was her third child and how she had her baby around Christmas time, which when, which is close to when we were due. And she birthed right by the Christmas tree with the twinkling lights and like everyone, when they describe their home birth, it's such a like beautiful experience. Um, and I just feel like I never really hear that with like a hospital birth. Like it's like, yes, the mom's healthy, the baby's healthy, but there's not these like really magical little stories that go with it, at least from what I've heard from people. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I just felt like there was people that started coming into my life, sharing their stories that also had home births and watching the business of being born, just seeing a lot of, and I listened to your podcast and your home birth and, um, so I think I just started surrounding myself and looking for information on home births and I don't know. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and sometimes, you know, the, a lot of that, um, a lot of those stories are, are accurate that when you're, or, you know, or, or videos or, you know, when you, when you are in a place in which you feel comfortable, usually it does feel like a very beautiful, you know, um, serene experience. Um, I am going to ask you to share your birth story, but now having given birth at home, do you feel like sometimes the home birth image or videos can be glorified or do you feel like it, or, 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 um, or kind of like misrepresented as just like, you just own your baby out and all is good. Um, I think it depends on the video because we we filmed part of our birth, which I will never probably watch again or share with anyone because I feel like my birth was so loud and I don't, it just is is different. And I don't know if there was a video crew there, if they could have gotten a more production style video, but usually the births that I see where they hire someone to do a video, it's clips, there's music. It's like, it is, it's almost a little bit more theatrical where if you just set up a camera in the corner and it's like nonstop through, you're like, that's really intense. Um, so I, and I feel like I always felt this way too, which I appreciate when moms do share if they're sharing a video that if it's their first birth or their second birth, because I'm always impressed with women who like you, who have a home birth and it's their first time around. Um, I know being a midwife, like you're in a different position, but maybe if someone's like not in the medical field and they make that choice um, and it, it goes like a good experience because I know your first birth, it's also new to you. Um, and so I, yeah, I do feel like sometimes when you're watching videos, like I said, if they're more produced you don't really get to see some of like the details in between. You just see the highlights. Um, But at the same time, sometimes that's good because it just kind of puts you in a positive, happy place. Um, Sometimes if you see, like even I I watched a a video of a gal who had a home birth and it was really fast. And I like watching things like that because I told my husband, I was like, you never know, this could be us. It's good to see an example of someone who they go into labor and two hours later, the baby comes out and the midwife can't get there in time and they're, pushing their husband's like trying to catch the baby on the bathroom floor. 
And, but even her birth, it was like straight through. And I was like muting it. Cause I was like, I can't listen to her. It's so like, I know that's how it is, but it's so hard to hear another person like, you know, vocalizing what she's going through. So mm-hmm. I think it just depends on the video. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, speaking of your husband, I would say most partners concerns, uh, are around the safety of you and baby. Um, so what was, what was Aaron's reaction or response to a home birth for your second child, especially given that you transferred to the hospital the first time? Um, I, Aaron's really a very supportive husband and I feel like we're very much on the same page, which is really great. Like we, I think the number one thing we don't agree on is music. We have very different taste in music, but when it comes to like major things in life, we just kind of happen to be on the same page about them, which I'm really grateful for. And I think with him, um, his main concern was just like the, the mess of it. And, and not so much like that birth is messy, but just like he was concerned, is our house clean enough to bring a newborn baby into? Because a hospital feels so sterile and clean and your home, it's like, you know, there's him with a toddler and it's like, is this going to be like, is this safe in the sense, is it clean enough to have a baby in this space? And also just like the preparation and things like that. Um, and I, I did ask him about this, like what his thoughts were on this. And he basically said that his main thing for me is he he knows that with birth, because he like watches all the documentaries with me. And he's like, for you to feel comfortable is the most important thing for you to have a good birth experience. So he's like, if you wanted to be at the hospital, I would have supported that. If you want to be at the birth center, home birth, he's like, just wherever you're most comfortable is where you're going to probably have the best experience. And so he's like, it's my job just to support you in that, which I think is really awesome. Um, and I, I would say too, like my husband and I talk about everything, but I felt really private about home birth. Um, I don't, I feel like I don't really like to talk about certain things until after they happen, just cause you never know how they're going to go. And I really didn't want anyone else's opinions about anything. So like even my mom and like my mother-in-law and like on social media, like I never said I was having a home birth. If someone at, like, as things progressed, it kind of came up with family, like, obviously, like, oh, you have a midwife coming to your house, like, that's not the norm, like, that's really nice, you kind of explain, well, we're having a home birth, so this is how it goes. But, um, but I felt very private about it, just because it's like, once you make that decision, and it feels right for you, um, it's such an emotional thing that I just didn't want anyone else's opinions. But Aaron, to circle back to your question, like, he was very supportive of it. And we both were just on the same page, that's like, you really don't know how it's going to go. And you had told us, which was a big um, thing for us that made us feel like home birth was right, that basically a home birth and a birth center are equally as safe. It's just a different location. Like you bring everything to us. And so I'm like, if and if something comes up, we're going to transfer. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to transfer from the birth center, I'm going to transfer from my home. Why not just be home? Um, and so once we kind of thought about that, that it's no longer a safety issue, it's more of a where do you want a birth issue? Um home felt best for us. And then, you know, he was on, on board with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's great. And I think also there is a going back to the mess piece of it is like, there is a common misconception that having a home birth is going to be like you prepping your house for like you're repainting it or like, you know, this crazy murder scene of like, there's plastic tarps everywhere and, you know, but it, it can be, um, you know, actually quite, uh, contained as far as all the, um, you know, quote mess goes of birth and, um, and yeah, birth is surprisingly not a sterile event. I mean, I think most people think of it as such. I mean, obviously we wear gloves as midwives and, but, um, but yeah, babies are born to this world with all of your natural bacteria. That's good for their gut, you know, obviously. Um, and 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 if anything, they're going to be safer, giving birth into the environment in which they're already sort of, um, they've already been exposed to. If, if you had a dog, you're breathing in all those, you know, the dog hair and the baby's exposed to all that. And it's good as far as like preventing allergies and things like that. So um, yeah, I think there are some common mis- misconceptions around that, but also like having a clean house helps, of course. And I will say that there were moments where I was like, okay, I see why it'd be so much easier just to go to the hospital, show up, have your baby, leave and come home. Obviously, it doesn't go that smoothly sometimes. But especially when you kind of get in that nesting mode, like, I would say probably even like the day or day before, like I just because we made 
that little room in our house, like our birth room. And there was one day where I was just cleaning everything. Like I just was like, it, everything has to be clean. And I, I, we use like this vinegar, water, lavender solution, or whatever, which makes your house really stink like vinegar. And my mother-in-law was there at that point to help. And they came back from a walk and they were like, whoa, you must have been cleaning. Because I just was like the floors and the chair handles and like everything. I just, it just felt really good to have it be really clean. And just like prepping everything and have it be organized. And I think if you're someone who like, you are kind of type A, which is how I am, and you you feel more peace when it's like you don't know how it's going to go but at least you've done everything you can do by setting it up the way you like and having lists and like we went really overboard with like I wrote out every single thing that Ella like eats in her schedule and her time and what like if she says wawa that means water and like I just felt like if I have to be out of the picture for a while and someone needs to step in like her routine and whatever she does it's going to be taken care of and all those things. So I feel like if you're that kind of person, sometimes a home birth is nicer because it's your environment that you feel like you can control a little bit more where like when you go to a hospital, you don't know who's going to be on staff. You don't know what other people are going to be there. I don't know. For at least for me, it just felt nice to be like, this is my environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's something that I think a lot of women experience as far as, you know, a certain having a certain level of control prior to the birth so that in the moment, you know, you can, you feel safe and supported to totally let go, which is usually what's required of you to give birth. And I've heard that some women don't even want to talk about like, what if a circum, not circumcision, um, C-section there's, it all is in the same boat, but like a C-section comes up, you know, they don't even want to go to the different what ifs. And I feel better talking about all of those. Like, I'm like, if this happens, then what do we do? If this happens, then what do we do? And everybody in my team is on the same page because when I'm then I then I can let go because I know we've already all talked about it. We already have a plan. So in the moment, I don't have to feel like worried about how things are going to go. They'll just go the way they go. But we have a plan already discussed. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you get to also like, yeah, put out any potential fires that you were like thinking about a little bit in your head and then going back to, you know, the nesting slash, you know, kind of doing everything you can to make sure that Ella's okay, like putting down her nap time and what this means. And it's almost like you get to download everything and put that somewhere else so that Mm -hmm. your brain is now there's freed up space for you to, um, you know, not have, not be letting all those thoughts stir around while you're trying to. And I'm very grateful for my patient husband who (laughs) tolerated all of my needs in that time to feel like I was really in a place where I could let go Mm -hmm. because I could see how it would have been really annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's like, yeah, you get, you get to know, you know, your partner and, um, and like he's, like you said that what he said of like, if you feel supported in, in all of it, then it's going to go so much better. So I want to talk about your pregnancy, um, or pregnancies. What, um, what surprised you or how was your second pregnancy? Did you have any expectations given that you had already experienced it once? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to go, you know, once it happens, it's hard to go back to think, how did I think before it happened? Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that I really enjoyed being pregnant with my daughter. And I remember telling my husband when we were on a walk, like, I love being pregnant. I would love to do this so many times, but that's because I didn't have an older child yet. And we do work for ourselves. So there, while there's like pros and cons to that, like your maternity leave is not as like much of a leave, but at the same time you are in control of your schedule. So I did feel like if I wasn't feeling well, I could start work at 10 in the morning versus like I had to be somewhere at like a certain time. Um, so I felt like I, and I was able to, you know, you're not chasing around a toddler. Like I felt like I could rest more if I needed to. I went to yoga every single week. Like I really had a lot of like self-care with Ella. And so I, I feel like I had a really good pregnancy. The only hiccup I feel like I had is I got a number of UTI, uh, UTIs. That's what I had, right? Um, with her, which was frustrating, but I felt like everything else was fine. Um, and so with Leo's birth, um, I feel like it was just a lot harder on me physically and emotionally. Like, I thought I was having a girl the second time around from the whole kind of um, idea that you get more morning sickness with a girl than a boy. Um, 
because I did have morning sickness with him too. And I was super tired. But then again, once you have a toddler and you're pregnant and you're working, that's just like a lot at the same time. So I feel like the second time around, I, I think what surprised me the most was just like how, how fast it went because you time just goes by so fast when you have another kid, but how hard it was on my body. And I feel like every little thing that I feel like I had a lot of things that came up that were just like, not so I'm going to share it on your podcast. And maybe this will be a a big reveal. I've never told anyone other than my mom and my husband that I had gestational diabetes, (laughs) because I was so embarrassed by it. And I really was like, I'm a dietitian, and I have gestational diabetes. And that was really, really hard for me. Because I just felt like, what am I doing wrong? Like, and we, you know, after test, like, I really didn't want to test and prick my finger. But then I got really into it, because then you kind of start to like, want to make sure everything's okay. And you want to do the things the right way. And my numbers were like, always fine. And so it was, whatever, you know, how it happened, it clearly like my diet was not like, causing it or I was able to keep it in control with eating healthy. But I feel like that was like a really I remember when we talked on the phone about it. And I just like sobbed afterwards, like I had a really big cry. And then I like, tried to move on from it. Um, Because it was just I think a more frustrating pregnancy, there was a lot of moments that I felt like the joy of pregnancy was taken away. I don't remember, I feel like there was a number of things. I I know that was the biggest one. I can't remember what were some of the other things. But I just felt like there was, and I was more sensitive to everything. Like I felt like I was much more emotional about everything. And I don't know if that was just because I was more tired. So I think that maybe surprised me just that it was a harder pregnancy and I was much more emotional. And I felt like there was a lot of things that kept coming up that were trying to like take away the joy of pregnancy. And it was, I think, felt like I had to fight for that joy to like have, to, to appreciate it and not just feel like bummed out all the time by like one setback over another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's sort of the, um, you know, that can happen of, of you, you think like, okay, well I've done it before. So I know how it'll go. And then, and then you get all these new uh, sort of tests and things that push you to an edge. You didn't anticipate because it didn't happen with Ella's pregnancy. And it's like, okay, what's the, where, how, like, how can I keep expanding and breathing into this like new discomfort, whether it's physical or emotional. Um, But that can be a little jarring, especially given that you are already an experienced parent that, that something new has come up like this that you haven't experienced. Um, And especially the diabetes thing, that's such a, that does hit home, you know, on a, on a level that is, is hard to kind of shake. And it's understandable that like, you know, you wanted to, keep that private. And when you're pregnant, it's kind of, I mean, not that pregnancy is a pass to eat whatever you want, but it is a time where you feel a little bit like you can eat a little extra and like you deserve to have a cookie. And I just felt like I was on a diet, basically the rest of my, like I ate so boring, so bland, and it was all for a good reason. But it just, it was like, just another thing, like right through like the, it was like Thanksgiving. It was like, I'm going to have a small slice of pie because I don't want to overdo it. And like, I took my, you know, uh, pricked my finger, did my blood test after and everything was always fine, even with the piece of pie. But it, it's still like every time I ate, I was thinking about, does this have too much sugar in it? Does this, it's just, I felt like with everything going on, it was just another thing that just, I had to think about. And I had to, it's like, what I just want to have this baby. I just want to be pregnant and enjoy it. And I have work and I have a toddler and life and pregnancy. And it was just one more thing. And I, it's just hard, but mm-hmm. I feel like anyone who has that, it's like, it's, it is hard, but like people always say, it's just a season and it is really hard not to invalidate feelings because I was very upset by it, but like it is manageable and you will get through it. And I think when I was doing that three hour test, which I was so not happy about, but I just, it just reminded me that like, I can do hard things and like, I, I can do this and I can not drink water for three hours and not eat anything for three. I like, fast, like when you're pregnant, the idea of waking up, not eating, and then not eating for three, over three hours, because by the time you do the test and get home and, but it just reminds you that you can do really hard things, which is what you have to do when you have a baby. And, and beyond and parent and, Mm -hmm. you know, co-parent and work from home and so on and so forth. And also, you know, pregnancy reminds you that, you know, things or pregnancy and birth 
it reminds you that even if you're a professional in a field, you're also still a person and it's not personal. Like it's the parallel of a lactation consultant having a baby with severe tongue tie and, you know, them being, the baby being jaundiced, having been hospitalized. It's like, I'm a lactation consultant. How can I, how does this happen to me? Or a midwife. I mean, that was personally a fear of mine. It was like, I can't be the one to transfer. I'm a midwife. Like I should be able to do this, you know, that um, there, the ego part of you gets the best, I think. And, um, but it just reminds you that like, you're, you're, you're that, that part of your brain is having to shut down like the professional part of yourself, the ego part. And now like the mother self is just having to like kind of work through it. But, um, but yeah, it's, um, it is, it can be, it can be challenging. And yeah, like I said, to the, to the ego and, and psyche. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk about, you know, having, speaking of experience, going into your second birth, there can be both the feeling of like, oh, I got this because I've done it before. And also like, but now I really know what's going on. Um, did you have any fears or anxieties that came up for you in the pregnancy around the birth or labor for Leo? Yeah, I had really bad back labor with Ella. And so that was a thing that we were trying to avoid the second time around. And I think I ended up having bad back labor with Leo. So that's just how my body is apparently. But we did do the things we thought we needed to do to try to avoid that by staying hydrated, going to the bathroom. Um, I will say that once you know, I mean, some people, I don't know, they say like, this could be a trigger warning or something. But like, some people don't like, like to use the word pain or contraction. Um, it doesn't bother me. So I use them, but it is painful to give birth. So once you know that, like there were mornings, there were times where I felt like, and they could have just been strong racks and hicks, but I had kind of cramps. They go away and come back. And there, I almost feel like there are times where I like shut it down. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this today. Like, I don't, I don't want, no, I don't want this. And so I feel like you, you just know what it's, gonna be like. Um, But I also really hoped that because my body had gone through it before that it would be quicker and faster. And I just kind of, I kind of tried to hold on to that. And I feel like I got to a point where like, I had talked to a couple people who basically said they just like, you know, manifested the birth that they wanted. And, and I feel like for me, it's like you really, you, you, some people may believe in that some people may not. But I just was like, I do believe in just staying positive because you knowing that you there are elements that are really out of your control so you might as well just try to stay positive so like every night before I went to bed I had this like list of things that I prayed for and I was like I I was like please have the birth like you know go well like have the placenta come out quickly be intact like the baby's breathing well I'm breathing well heartbeat's good for baby heartbeat's good for me Ella's not like affected by anything um, not too much tearing, not too much blood loss, like all the things that could go wrong. I just prayed, please don't have that happen. And it was like a ritual. I was like, I had to say this every night. And so that for me was like, I wanted all those things to go a certain way. And I like prayed that they would. And again, you don't know how it's really going to go. Um, but I, I, I would like with Ella, I had no idea that your placenta could come out not fully intact. Like there's just things you don't know. So second time around, I feel like I had a, a much bigger wish list of how I wanted it to go and concerns of like other reasons of why you may transfer or what may happen after. Cause you do just know more. Um, and I'm do, I am grateful that we'll get to his birth, but that it went, that it went well. How did you prepare Ella for the birth and then arrival of a new baby? Again, she was my number one concern. It's funny how, they're so small that they take over your life. Um, we got books about being a, a big sister, talked about it a lot. Um, and I feel like she's just really smart. There were times where I'm like, there's no way that you actually understand or comprehend this this much. But I I do think that she just got it. Like, we talked about it a lot, that brother was growing in our belly. It's baby brother of Leo. And I would tell her like, one day he's going to come out of me and I'm, I may make some noises and I would, I would make some noises like 
and she would kind of make them back like mooing sounds and try to in case she was around like obviously it sounds way different than when you're just kind of pretending but like you know and then there were times where she would walk around with like a doll between her legs and like pull the doll up to her like chest and I was like are you birthing your doll like how do you even know what's going on but she was so obsessed I just remember that she was so obsessed with all my birth books I had a basket by my bed of all these different birth books like the birth partner and and some books that were pretty like graphic. They're very like 70s, 80s, just fully nude birthing women. And she would just look at them. And like, she'd always, like, we have tons of books in our house, but she always went to those books. And she like looked at them and be, she would be like, mommy, baby. And so I, I don't know if it's just her personality. We always joke that she's going to be like a future midwife because she just always was like really into it. And um, so we just talked to her about it a lot. And I feel like that was important because I didn't want to like suddenly have this other baby show up. And like, I would read blogs, like how to help, you know, your older child. And one thing I read is that emotionally, sometimes the older kid could feel like they're replaced. And so just kind of saying things like, you know, we're a family now and we all live together and this is your brother. And just kind of, I feel like we talk to her a lot and explain things to her a lot. And I don't know how much sinks in, but um, I think just, over communicating what's going to happen, even if they're only like a year and a half is like really helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, she was, and she is still little, but she was definitely, and she was, she was younger for us for having a, for being an older sibling and seemingly like she still really got it, you know, which Mm -hmm. just goes to show that like, as a, even as an, at two and three, like they'll really understand the more you communicate, which is so great. Um, so yeah, I think we should go through, um, hearing your, your story about giving birth to Leo. Um, okay. So I always wanted to give birth in the more, like start labor in the morning. I don't know why, but it always sounded really romantic to like, at like two or three in the morning to like start having contractions. And that's basically what happened. It was like two thirty, two forty-five, And it kind of woke me up and I like looked at my phone and then I would lay there and like, I think they were like 10 minutes apart and it was still early and I didn't want to wake up Aaron. Cause it's like, again, if it's going to be a long day, like everyone should get as much sleep as possible. And he normally gets up at like four 30 anyways, because of my daughter, that's just like, ever since she was little, he would get up at four 30 with her. So then I could actually get like an hour or two of like solid sleep without a baby noise next to me. So he's just always gets up at that time. So he woke up at like four, four thirty, and I like told him, I was like, I'm having kind of cramps. They're coming every like 10 minutes. He's like, what do you want me to do? And I was like, I don't know. Why don't you just like lay here with me, help me track them. And I don't remember the exact time of everything because it's amazing how you just forget things like your brain can't hold on to things. But at some point they were coming closer together and I started feeling like really hot and like I was going to throw up. And I think it was just the hormones and the adrenaline of like, I think this is happening that suddenly hit me. And I was like, I'm really hot. I think I'm going to throw up, which is kind of a feeling of like transition. So for a second, I thought, oh no, like, is the baby going to come in like a half an hour? We should call Haley. And we also didn't want to call you too early because it's like, you know, it could be a long day for everyone. Um, but we called you and you told us to get in the shower, which I did. And then that kind of slowed things down. And by the time I got out of the shower around there, my daughter was waking up for the day. because She gets up at like six. And so we like went in her room and read books and stuff with her. And I wasn't really having contractions or if I did, they were really like sporadic, like 15 minutes apart or something. And so I was like, I think I'm going to go back and lay down for a little bit because if this is happening, like all day long, I kept being like, if this is labor, if this is labor, like even with my water breaking, it's like your brain is still not convinced that this is really happening. But I, I laid down for a little bit more, um, had breakfast, took a little nap, got up. I think we went on a walk. Um, I think we, we stayed in communication with you all day. So maybe you had mentioned going on a walk or something. And my mother-in-law was with us, staying with us to help and um she was, I was like having a contraction as I was like leaving. She was like, should you be going on a walk? And I was like, I'm fine. Um, (laughs) and it felt good to like get out and it felt good to kind of have my daughter's day pretty normal. Um, and so the contractions, like, again, they were pretty sporadic throughout the morning and then, but they were still like happening, um, enough that like, I sometimes would have to kind of like focus and like breathe through them. Um, 
And then I have like thoughts about as what was happening at that time. So basically like what surprised me with this labor too, I'll keep explaining it, but just kind of how I was able to just like be in the kitchen doing something, pause, have my contraction, go back to doing something. And I always thought that was so interesting when women explain that, like, how are you just folding laundry, doing house stuff, have in labor? Like, it just seemed crazy to me. But I'm like, once you go through it, you just kind of like, there's noise going, like, I always thought I needed it to be so silent and like, through everything. And it's my mother in laws talking and my daughter is making noise. And like, you just kind of like go into this place and have your contraction. And then it's over. And then you have a little bit of time till it comes back. But I did started to notice a pattern where when my daughter was awake, the contraction slowed. And when she slept, they everything like ramped back up. So after we put her down for her nap, um, we, my mother in law, like went into, like, we call it her room where she was staying. And we just like had some lunch. And I was like, let's just like lay on the couch and relax for a little bit. And like, basically, I don't know, 10 minutes into laying on the couch, I was like, whoa, I was like, I either peed myself or that my water broke. And I was like, I highly doubt I peed myself, because that doesn't really ever happen. And I like went to sit up and like a ton more water gushed out. And I was like, I think that's my water breaking. So having my water broke before we went in to labor with my, well, while we were in labor with my daughter at home also, ironically in the exact same spot on the exact same couch. So it's the oh, water really? break. Yeah. yeah, it's really funny. I was like, that poor couch. Yeah, you know, it's like, again. Yeah, no one knows if they sit there. That, oh, that's where my water broke um, <laughs> twice. And so luckily we knew this time to like go and put on a pad and to make sure like it needs to be clear. And because with my daughter, I had mycodium. And so that's why we went to the hospital. And I was so great. That was like one of the things I prayed for was like, so as things were progressing, I was like, these little check marks were like, I was able to check off. And to me, that was probably one of my biggest concerns was, I really don't want to have meconium again, I don't want to go to the hospital. And having that be clear was like, thank you. And so uh, we kept checking in with you telling you what was going on. Um, I think my mucus plug came either before or after that. Um, Just paying attention to everything that's going down there. And then my daughter woke up. And when I went to get her, my contractions kind of stopped again um, for a couple hours. And then they started just, just as like labor goes, like getting closer together, getting stronger. And by like the early or late afternoon, I feel like they were getting to a point where it was probably around like three or four or something where I was like, okay, they're getting really close together. We are checking in with you more. And you had told me to, well, maybe try getting back in the shower. And I was like, I was so annoyed. I was like, I don't want to get in the shower because the shower, like my legs would shake. And I just, I didn't want to be standing. Like I really, this entire birth, I liked just laying on my side. And so standing was like exhausting. And you know, the shower, if it's hot, it kind of dehydrates you a little bit. And I just was like, I just don't want to get naked to get in the shower again. But I got in the shower and at that point, I basically told my husband, I was like, I'm really annoyed. Like I was in a pretty good mood all day. And I just I'm really over this now. And this, like, I don't like this. And I was like, I basically told them and I was like, my mood is changing. <laughs> it's time for Haley to come. And I felt like throughout the whole pregnancy, like things were happening to me. But I also felt really wa- aware of what stage of the birth I was in. And so I think at that point, it was closer to like five. And because you had said, I'll come in an hour and you got there at six. So it had to have been around five. Um, and at that point I was like, I just want to go and be alone in our room. So we like set up those little fake candles, the little flickering ones. And I hadn't listened to my hypnobirthing soundtrack at all up until that point, just cause the day was busy, but I like put that on, which is like really calming. And I just like laid in bed and I feel like they, my daughter also goes to bed at six. And so sometimes a little bit later, but I was like, tonight she goes to bed like at six or sooner. And I was getting really annoyed at that point. Cause I had been kind of laboring by myself. Cause I basically told my husband, like, you take care of Ella, like I'll be fine. Um, and, but I was just like, I was like rubbing my own back and I just like, I could hear him in her room, which was really close to our room and they were singing and, you know, doing their like bedtime thing. And I just was like, it's over, put her to bed. Like, I need you to be with me. Like, I'm really over being alone. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so he came in and was like with me. And then I remember like our window is to our back, was to our backyard. And cause we've, we've moved since then, but our window was to our backyard. And I like saw the lights of your car pull up and it was like the best feeling. I was like, she's here. 
And then like, I heard your voice like come in our room and I was just like lying there, however I was. Um, and I, I feel like once you, once you got there, it really felt real. Like as if everything that was happening before wasn't real enough, but it was like, okay, she's here. And you checked me, which I was like curious. And I think I was at like five or six centimeters at that point. And I remember you saying like, oh, that's, you know, that's good. And I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and you don't really like, I don't know. I just was like going through the process. Um, and you, I think you had said like, you can move into the pool now at any time. Like it's not really going to stop at this point. Like you're in active labor now, which was kind of nice to like, cause you don't know, there's always this fear that like you had this whole day and you feel super dramatic. And then you get there and you're like, you're at two centimeters. Mm-hmm. And I, I know for myself, like I, I like, cause people would ask me before, even like at 38 weeks, 39 weeks, Oh, are you dilated? Are you a face? And I was like, no. I, or I would just be like, I don't know. And they'd be like, you don't get checked. And I was like, there's really no point. Like I'll go into labor when I go into labor. And I, for me, if, if I felt like I was farther along than I was, it, I know personally it would have felt discouraging or like it could get your hopes up if you were like two centimeters already. And then you feel like it's going to happen, which it could take weeks. So I also know that you can dilate within a half an hour super fast. So there's just, for me, it was like, I wanted to be checked at that point since I had been in labor all day. But, um, but yeah, so then I think my husband went across the house to start filling up the pool. And I, at that point, I really didn't want to leave our room because that had been my like cozy space for a while. And the thought of like getting up and walking across the house and getting naked and getting water again, I was just like, I don't want to do that. But mm-hmm. started filling up the pool and eventually that was ready. And I walked across the house and was like laying on the bed while Aaron, and I think maybe you were helping too. I was kind of in and out of it was filling up the pool. I think that was like the number one thing my husband really didn't want was a pool because every birth story that he's heard with husbands, they're the ones who have to fill up the pool and it always is annoying. And it's like, there's never enough hot water or it takes too long or you're boiling water. And so like taking time away from you probably. Yeah. But I remember telling him, I was like, if I want a water birth, then we need to have water birth. Like, and I, I also told him, I was like, if we, like, even if I don't use it, I just want it there. Like, I'll, like, cause what if it's not there and I wish it was like, you don't want to be in labor and suddenly being like, I want to be in water and you don't have that option. So I was like, let's just have it again. Like have everything planned out. And then you just don't know how you're going to really go. When I first got into the water, I hated it because I had no idea how to be in the pool. Like I wasn't sure if I was supposed to, cause it's pretty big. And I was like, where, how am I supposed to lay in this? Like, am I supposed to lay on, since I had back labor, I didn't want to lay on my back. I needed my back like exposed so that my husband could rub my back. And I ended up just kind of sitting on like my knees with my head and arms on the side of the pool. Um, and that like felt good, but I also felt like that position kind of escalated things. I'm sure you remember all my, <laughs> I feel very, I feel very embarrassed. Like, and I know I shouldn't, but it's like, you can't control what you're saying, but at the same time, you hear yourself as you're saying it and you just feel like a loony person to just be like so vocal. But there were many times where like I could literally, f- it, I think this is the cool part about having a medicated birth. There's some people who really could care less about this. But for me, like I like feeling everything. I'm someone like, I don't like feeling out of my norm. I don't like drinking too much coffee. I don't like drinking too much alcohol. Like I don't like feeling altered from like my normal state. It makes, and that's probably cause I don't like feeling out of control. But so for me, it's, it was cool that I like literally felt him. Like it felt like he was like coming down my like vagina. And there were times when I was like, he's coming and you would like get the little mirror and the flashlight and be like, Nope, <laughs> like he's not here yet. So at you checked me at some point in the water and I was like, eight or nine at that point, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it was like, I think anytime you're in labor, like getting into a different position is really annoying. Cause even though I didn't want to, I didn't want to go from my room to the birth room. I didn't want to go from the birth room bed to the pool. But once you get into a new spot, that becomes your little spot and you don't want to move. Um, but we got out of the pool and um, went onto the bed to like start pushing. And I feel like at this point, I really thought he would just come out because you hear so many stories of second time moms who 
one push and he was out two pushes he was out so I thought I could really not put much effort into it and I didn't like in the beginning because it hurt and I didn't want to do it and I was I even in the pool I was like I don't want to do this anymore like I don't I think I kept saying I don't like this I don't like this because I I didn't (laughs) like I was over it Mm -hmm. and but at some point when we were on the bed I just you something just kind of clicks and you're just like if I don't like this it'll be over sooner if I just give it everything that I have. Cause if I'm giving it 70 to 80%, it's just going to take longer. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I felt like I just kind of, I don't know, not that the pain went away, but you just like, I think you you're past the point of pain. Like you just are, you're just like in the get it done mode. Mm-hmm. So, and then you had told me, which I couldn't see at that point that he, his head was coming out, but he was, he was, he would stop around like his eyes. So I think, is that when you had me flip over on my back? Mm-hmm. And then at that point, like, cause with my daughter, as soon as her head was out, the rest of her body just like slipped out like a jellyfish. I didn't even push out the rest of her body. It was just like heads out. And then she like flew out and everything was like, blah, blah, blah. but mm-hmm. with him, it was like his shoulders were so much broader possibly. And I remember like trying to close my legs. And at that point I remember being very vocal and being like, like what's going on. And I just like, I, I, it was either you or like Margo who was like keeping my legs open and that part, but it, I mean, it goes by fast, but in the moment I just was like, what is happening? Cause it was, you feel everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he came out and I feel like right after he was born, it was such a better experience than right after my daughter was born because with her, my daughter, you're kind of lost in the moment of birthing and you, you kind of forget what the end in sight is. Cause it's, it's just kind of hard. I mean, you've never had a baby before. So you kind of forget that that's what's ha- that's the end result is having a baby. Because when my daughter was born, I literally said, like, what just happened? And they were like, you had a baby. And they're like, here she is. And even just all my pictures, I was just like, so in shock. It was like, because mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you've never had a baby before, you don't, you've seen movies, and maybe you've been at births, like, but for me, I had never seen a baby being born like I'd never seen a baby right after they're born so Mm. like it just is a lot more shocking and I feel like with him like right after he was born it was just a different experience like I just I feel like I bonded with him a lot more quickly and just felt like it was just a lot nicer and Mm. so that that was his birth like I don't know if I left out anything details or anything like that but that's kind of the timeline of how everything happened yeah. Um, so going back to when you were in the tub and, you know, really vocalizing and, um, is that something that you remember doing with Ella? Yes. And I feel like, I don't know why I was very vocal with Ella to the point where the next, I kind of lost my voice the next day. Um, and I remember being at the hospital and being like, I need like some throat lozenges or something. Cause my throat was so scratchy. Um, I was really vocal with her too. And I, again, that's just how I am when I birth, I guess, is I just have to be loud. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that can be really surprising for some people, even in the moment that they can be feeling like they're birthing quote wrong, you know, if they're, if they're really vocal because, because maybe they've seen births that are a little bit more, um, controlled or, um, yeah, I've just, I've, like I said, more breathing and going inward, but, but birth is for the, for the majority that I've seen and that, you know, what's normal is it is really primal and you're feeling so much that you have to let the energy out somewhere, you know, and mm-hmm. usually it's out your mouth. And so, um, so sometimes even, even if you were saying like, I don't like this or, you know, sometimes that is just what you have to say to like, get it out, like get out all the like, fears and get out all the, you know, or just get the baby out. Like, that's just like your mantra because clearly he was coming down whether you liked it or not, you know, and, um, and it can actually be kind of normal. And then did you feel the pressure to push? No. And I didn't with my daughter either. Like some people say like, I need to push and I never felt, I never felt, feel that I feel them being really low, but I never feel the, I never feel like I need to push. Like you feel like you need to go poop or something. Like I just, and I remember asking you like, help me because I, because I don't feel that pressure to push. I feel like I was like 
tell me what to do. Because I, with my daughter, I think it took like two, two and a half hours to push her out because I didn't know what I was doing. And I never felt that it never, it didn't feel, I didn't know how to push. And I felt like I did a better job pushing the second time around because he came out quicker. But, but yeah, I remember asking you like, you need to help me. And I also, I think one thing that was really nice about having you there, like it was just you and my husband in the room for the most part until Marco came in later, but it was nice having you there and reminding me like vocally to have lower tones because at the top of a contraction, I felt like that's when it hurt the most. So it's all of a sudden it just kind of comes on. And for me, the contractions were more in my back. Like the back pain is, was more painful than the contractions in the front. And so as soon as it would kind of come on, it would be like this intense pain and I would kind of shriek. And then that reminder to kind of have a lower tone, like I, as soon as I kind of switched into being lower, like the pain would kind of go away or it wouldn't go away, but it would be less. And I would, and like breathing down, I could feel me working with my body versus just like, this is happening to me. And so you think you'll remember all those things. Like you take the classes and, but when you're in the moment, your body just kind of takes over. So it is nice to have someone there, whether it's like you as a midwife or a doula or your partner, or just someone to like remind you of those things. Um, so I appreciate that you did. Cause I, I felt like immediately when I changed how I was yelling, like my body changed. Mm-hmm. And even though giving birth is, you know, a very natural process, it can still feel very unnatural, all of those station, sensations all at once. So it's just, it's like, it's just, it's a, I would say it's a more natural response to clench up and want to go away from feeling so much pressure and pain and burning in your vagina. That seems pretty like logical to me, you know, but so it's just having, yeah, someone kind of remind you to actually, we want to go towards that and not work against it. Because like you said, you want to work with your body, which at this point, your, your baby is in your body. So working Mm -hmm. with your body is going to bring your baby out. But, um, and I think that's also why pushing can take a little bit of time the first time as well as you're just getting used to working with your body when you've never done anything like that before. And it makes it even trickier when you can't feel the pressure to push. It makes it feel really awkward. Like, are you pushing in your legs and your face and your arms, like in your, in your vagina or your butt? And so you just kind of have to, you know, spend a little time working at it. But, um, so I want to talk about postpartum and, um, and what was, what was the biggest difference for you postpartum? I mean, even not so much, I mean, comparing even in the immediate moments, but mostly like when you got home with Ella and then, and then just sort of those early weeks between Ella and Leo, like, is there anything that you learned the first time that you, that you put into place the second time to make it a more smooth experience? Yeah, they were very different experiences. I had major postpartum anxiety. I don't know if I had postpartum depression, but I was definitely depressed and had blues at times. Like it was really hard for me. And I think I think the hardest part for me was that kind of loss of identity when you become a mom, because like, I, I really love my job and my career and I like exercising and, you know, it's like, it's, you just don't have the time for you. And like, my body didn't look like my body anymore. And I've always been a very like healthy fit person and to just like feel so like squishy. And like, I feel like there's like a period where you embrace it. And then there's a period where you feel like, okay, I've been squishy for a really long time now. Like, and so I feel like the second time around, I'm much more accepting of just this is my life right now. But it's just I think it's all just a shock the first time around. And there were definite times where you just you kind of miss your own life. Like I was like, I miss just going to the grocery store. I miss just going to Target. Like everything is such a procedure now, like nap times and nursing. And it's like, you can't just do things like there's another person that's in and has you know their whole life you have to take into consideration and I definitely had a lot of anxiety with my daughter I think I was so fearful of like SIDS and like just just I wanted it was breastfeeding was so important to me and I like I didn't even want to introduce a bottle or a pacifier like you just I felt like every time I kind of I don't know, like you wanted every, I wanted everything, I guess, to be perfect, even though I know that perfect doesn't exist. And so I just was so worried about everything. And I think that's part of anxiety where it's like, even though you kind of know that what you're thinking is not valid, you still can't help but think that way. And like, there'd be times like, I remember some nights where I couldn't sleep because I was so worried about the temperature. I'm like, is it too hot? Is it too cold? Should she, okay, she's supposed to have 
an extra layer versus me, but like, like, like I shouldn't have a blanket in the crib because then that's not good. Like there's all these things where it's like people tell you to do the things this way. And I think it takes time as a parent to figure out how to parent your own way and listen to your own gut versus like, okay, you're going to have this baby. You should breastfeed. Should you co-sleep or not co-sleep? Should they be in a bath? Like your pediatrician tells you one thing and then you hear all these things. And I think I just had a lot of voices in my head and I couldn't hear my own or I didn't trust my own for a long time and so that like contributed to me and I was just I was so worried that she would get sick like we went on a plane ride to visit family at like four months and it was like so stressful for me like sanitizing everything and like even going we didn't go anywhere for like two months I was like I didn't want to take her out and I just I was so worried about everything Mm -hmm. and it just I really felt like I did not enjoy the newborn stage I just didn't feel like I enjoyed it. I was so stressed about things. And with my son now, like I really, like I see him. It makes me sad. Like I probably cry about it that I don't, that I didn't really get to like, and I didn't think I was going to cry, that I didn't really get to enjoy the newborn time with my daughter as much as I do with my son because I had so much anxiety that like, I was just so worried about things. And I feel like, like I said, like I see him more, like I bonded with him earlier and I just like, I enjoy him where it took me a really long time to like enjoy my daughter. Like I, she, they're this stranger when they're born. And I remember like my mother-in-law holding her at one point and I just was like, sure you can hold her. You know, like I felt bad that I just didn't want to hold her all the time. I was like, my arms hurt. Sure. You can hold her. And like with my son, I just, the bonding just happened a lot more quickly. And I, I, knowing that I'm someone who had a lot of anxiety, I really tried to prepare for that. So like with my daughter, we thought, we just wanted to be alone because we really just like to be alone and just like our family unit. So I didn't plan for any help the first week. And that was a big mistake because as soon as we got home from the hospital, it was like, we were so overwhelmed. And I, you know, if you new baby, like I hadn't been around a new, like when she'd spit up, I thought she was going to choke to death. Like if she was crying, I thought, Oh my gosh, is she going to die? <laughs> like, you, you know, like I gave her a bath and a little bit of like organic, soap got in her mouth and I called poison control. Like I was so worried about everything. And now with my son is past fire falls on the ground. It's like, yeah, it's like the second baby, like it's just so different. And so I, this time around with Leo, I had, we planned, my mother-in-law was there for a few days before my due date. She was, she's a saint. She ended up being with us for like three weeks. So like, no matter what happened with the birth, even if I went two weeks late and had a C-section and had to be in the hospital for another week, my daughter would be taken care of. And then Mm. my mom was coming like a little bit after my mother-in-law. So almost the whole first month we had help. And it was so nice because there was, my husband was on laundry and food and house and me, my mother-in-law and my mother was always playing with my daughter and I could just like be with my son. And that I feel like the first month was so nice, even though it's kind of a busy time with all the appointments and the nursing so often and everything, but it really didn't get hard until everyone left. And then it was like, okay, now it's just us. So postpartum was a lot different. And I just, I would say for anyone who's having their second kid, like, you know, like if you're like me and you had a lot of anxiety, like think of the things that gave you anxiety and try to plan for ways to have more support or more help. Um, And because it makes such a big difference. And I think just being a second time mom around, even if you don't plan anything, mentally, you go into it a lot differently. But, um, and I'm very grateful that I I do have times of like, anxiety, but I feel like I can talk it down a lot more this time around where like, I can tell myself like, you're having that thought, but it's going to be fine. (laughs) Like I can talk myself out of a panic attack a lot more quickly than I could the second time around. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask is, you know, the first time, what, what were your coping mechanisms or how, what would help you through the moments in which you felt really overwhelmed or taxed, or you couldn't sleep or you, you know, sort of the normal functions, because there's a certain level of normal new mom concerns that definitely consume your brain. But then there's a point in which like, if it affects how you sleep and things like that, then it, it gets to a point in which you need a little extra help and what worked for you if you found any thing that helped? Yeah. I mean, I would say exercise is the number one thing that helps me with stress, but unfortunately I just can't do that as much as I would like to. Even now, like you think you're going to exercise more at a certain point than you really will. And so I have found like, before I go to bed, um, 
I drink chamomile tea. Um, I do calm magnesium powder. So I drink that. And then I also drink a cup of calm magnesium. Um, this time around I start, I'm still taking that rescue remedy. Like I take it before I go to bed. I just do like a few drops in a little thing. And I swear that helps me so much. Like it just helps my, takes the edge off my brain, like the thoughts. Um, I take that right before I go to bed. And then right after I nurse in the middle of the night, because once I nurse and I'm awake for a while, it's like, especially if you get like an okay stretch, like, I don't know, anywhere from like three to five hours, you get like a little bit of enough rest that in your body's like, I don't need any more sleep. So I take, um, I <laughs> drink some magnesium water and take a little bit more rescue remedy in the middle of the night. And that's what helps me sleep now. I think I also just, again, like, I just have gone through it. So I just kind of know that like things are going to be okay. And I also kind of tell myself like, this maybe sounds horrible, but if something's going to happen, it's not you, there's nothing you can do about it. Like is if you have your baby sleeping in a safe place and he's fed, he's changed, he's sleeping in the, on his back in a swaddle in his bassinet, like he's all the things that you're supposed to do. Like there's a, there's a point where things are beyond your control. So you can't worry about it. Um, and I know sometimes that doesn't help. Like, I feel like I would try to tell myself that the first time around, but it it took me probably until like four or five months with Ella to get on the like chamomile tea, calm water. And I didn't have the rescue remedy with her, but, um, to me, like those kind of natural things just kind of help calm my body down. Um, and I also think just talking about things like with my husband, like sometimes if I'm worried about something, like I'm sure I annoy him so much. He's so patient, but like, you know, it's like little, like in little things, like I can't go to sleep if I think the fridge door is still open because I'm like, well, then all the food's going to go bad. And then the milk that I put in there is going to go bad. So I have to get up and go check it again. And for me, I just have this like mental checklist of like, are all the doors locked? Is the fridge closed? Is the freezer closed? Is the fan on in his room? Like is the, um, you know, the door open and just all these things. So you kind of just have to know yourself, even if you kind of have a little bit of like OCD tendencies, but if that's what helps you sleep, then that's what helps you sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some, and this is my last question of, of you know, transitioning to a family of four, um, you know, especially now with limited help since, you know, your family, you know, he is four months old and your family is not around so much, but also in this time of, coronavirus. Um, what, what are some helpful things? I mean, I know you had probably some of the biggest help is in the beginning. Um, but just as far as like planning and organizing and, and, you know, working with your partner and co-parenting with Aaron and, um, just some things that you found that worked well for you guys. Um, in postpartum. In postpartum as like, okay, new baby, toddler, work, life. I think we divide and conquer a lot. Like, especially we're trying to get them on the same schedule. Like as a newborn, you know, they usually kind of take a nap around like six o'clock or so. And then they're go, you know, for a long time, he went to bed at the same time as us at like nine or 10. And now we kind of knocked off his last nap of the day so that he kind of goes to bed around 6 30 or 7 which my daughter does too so then we can actually have like an hour or two of like no children before we go to sleep and so sometimes it's like okay both kids are fussy and need to go to bed at the exact same time like I'll put her to sleep you put him to sleep or like vice versa um and I think we just we over communicate everything like while we're having lunch even for today I was like okay so just talking about what's going to happen like it's 1130. I'm going to go up and I'm going to start reading with her and change her diaper. I'm going to put her down. And then, you know, if you could put him down and then I'll wrap up at this at this time. And then I'll come in and nurse him while he's still a little bit sleepy and waking up. So he nurses well. And so I feel like for us, we just communicate, communicate, communicate and talk through everything. And I think Aaron's, I mean, we both work together for the same business at home, our own business. And so we are also like, used to being a team. And I know some people like, I have friends who are like, I can never be with my partner that much. But we are always together. And so we're always talking about everything. And I think we are just naturally a really good team. Um, And he's just a very, I mean, sometimes it's just kind of who your partner is, like, he's just a very patient person, like he's more patient than I am. And he like, the kids are a lot sometimes. And I just really appreciate like, and I'm sure I'm a lot too. I mean, I'm only four months postpartum. So sometimes I just get emotional, hormonal. I'm, you know, not sleeping is like he can fall asleep within a second. It still takes me time to fall asleep. And 
So I don't know. Sometimes you just get who you get as a partner, but I'm very grateful that he is who he is. But no matter who your partner is, I just think communicating everything and having a schedule because otherwise the days can get away from you so fast and you have no idea what each person is doing and everyone has their own agenda, what they want to accomplish for the day. And so we'll often say to each other, like he'll say, this is my one thing I want to get done today. And I'll say, this is the one thing I want to get done today. And then we try to plan when is that each person going to get that thing done for the day. I think that's so helpful because oftentimes what can happen is there's built up resentment when you don't get to have that one thing that you want to do that day if you're not communicating those Mm -hmm. needs. And so because Aaron will have things that he wants to do that's not you about you or not about the kids and you will as well, you know, and so and maybe you both don't able or not able to do it that same day, but putting it out there to each other. So it's not so much like you're internally kind of like tallying up how many times he does this or you do that. And, um, so that's so great that that's already a part of your strategy of, of, you know, coexisting and, and working together. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, life is so crazy with two kids. And I'm sure it's, it's crazy with one, it's crazy with two, it's crazy with three, like no matter how you go about it, like it just gets crazy, but the days go by so fast and it's a lot. So, (laughs) well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and about everything and being so wonderful and real and vulnerable and transparent. And it's just, it's so helpful and so inspiring. And so I really appreciate it. I'm so grateful that we had such a good birth experience and you are a huge part of that because um, again, having people around you that you really trust, like I had zero hesitations with you. And I just feel like having someone like that, like someone as equally that you trust as like your husband or your partner who you've been with for like a really long time. Like that is, that's a really big thing to really be able to have a good experience. So I'm really grateful. And I always tell my husband, I was like, (laughs) even I was bouncing my son to sleep and I was Googling on my phone, like pros and cons of a third child. And I'm like, what am I doing? We're not having another kid. Like it's, (laughs) it's so, it's so hard to be pregnant and the birth and the postpartum and everything. But I'm like, I don't know. I, I, whenever I can't stop thinking about something like, but we're not going to. Yeah, <laughs> but I never know. I know. But we we won't because you live far away from us now. So well, <laughs> that's the reason why we want. Very sweet of you to say. Oh well, thank, thank you so you much again. Everything. Yeah, it was my pleasure. This was this. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to Milk Trails. I'm your host and midwife, Haley Oaks. Be sure to visit midwifemilktrails.tumblr.com to access the show's notes, view photographs, or leave your comments. Stay tuned about new episodes by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and tell all your pregnant friends about it. We'll catch you next time.